Well, okay. nice to meet you in person. Look, we have face, you and I. Look, we're, there oh. it is. Oh, yeah, nice. you're, a, you're a young guy. Oh, yeah, probably a couple years ago. <laughs> yeah, man. So, the, um, the future is with you. The future is with you. When you, when, at that age, this age that you're at, is when you mark your time. And then I'm in my 50s. I'm 55, 56 this year. You have the time to make the changes that you couldn't do when you were younger because we're in a we're in a wheel that's already rolling. But when you get to a you get to a couple of decades, you realize like, oh, I own that wheel. Like that wheel is just made up with ideas and people. And uh, I I would like to impart with you that you have that power now and uh and there and there are some players and some people who who live it with with without any taking any stock into risk by just going there and doing it and i think we tend to be at a certain point in our lives where we're also protective of what we're doing in our ideas but it also in that protective it limits us yeah it does we're so defensive as humans but especially right now i feel like the situation that we're in right now with the um the post pandemic um as well as the whole uh, all these variants and people being locked down i think now that we're kind of reconnecting it's getting a little difficult for us to i feel like communication is a little broken down a little bit i feel like people are either a little insecure as to um who they are or how to reconnect with people or maybe you know because a lot of people, you know, I feel like I, I know I changed after, you know, since being locked down for two years straight, um, mentally, physically, emotionally. Um, but at the same time, I feel like I'm a better version of myself still. Um, and I feel like I took a lot. I, I felt like I was very introspective. And speaking of that, I feel like your designs, they feel very cerebral and introspective. They're very impactful. And <clears throat> for me, that's. When I see your when I see your work, when I see these these garments, they're just not gender fluid clothes, or they're just not you, you know these 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 skirts or this, these these Indian um, this Indian garb. It's like it's a there's some thought in this. There's some there's some intellect. There's, there's a lot of intellect and intelligence. What's the process like when you're designing these um, these garments and these these beautifully crafted suits for a show or presentation or even just for um, a season? Like, what's your process? My, my, how do I want to, first of all, I would say, Vaughn, we're always evolving and changing. Like tomorrow you're going to have new ideas and you're going to take a shower or you see a documentary and you realize something in nature and you, you feel something. And that feeling that comes to you is so intrinsically unique to only you because your experiences that you have and I have morph our thinking. We can only think in that, right? And then for me, okay, so I grew up here in New York wearing suits. I did. I worked in your business. I worked in advertising and publishing, and I produced all the, the, the retouching and the pages. And so I was in a lot of magazines like Vibe, Spin, like those kind of books that I did. And I, so I wore suits all the time. And uh, I would go to meetings uh, at these magazines, like whatever, 17 or whatever it might be. And I would be in a room with all white men waiting to be called for your meeting or so forth. For whatever reason, I'm meeting with the production person, the creative, the whatever it was. And so to differentiate myself, besides me being looking like this, I would buy Gucci because I believe that I had to carry myself in a way 
that was normal to the to the general market of how uh, uh, we're presented. You present yourself in the best way. And what I really was doing, I was assimilating into a culture that really is an, a basically all-white exclusive culture, right? That's what it really was. And I was trying to fit in into that. And I went way into it, like just like anybody else, because you want to do well, you're, you're going to fit in, you look the part and so forth. And what ended up happening is I lost my identity. I lost my identity because I grew up in the streets of New York. I grew up in the beginnings of hip hop. I grew up in the beginnings of house music, disco, dance. And my culture really was uh, a predominantly African-American uh, experience. I went to church in Harlem. And, and, it's, and why that? Because it was celebratory. You know, I have to say this, and I'll say this to you, Candid, because you're, you, are you African-American? Yes. Yes, I'm African-American. Yes. Right. So I, I come from that culture that with limited resources and asset, we find, we still find a way to celebrate what we have. Like we would have nothing and barely made it through the week, but we will go dancing Friday night and have bills and debt, but we're like, we're going to go hang out anyway, right? We're going to find a way to celebrate. That celebration went into church on Sunday, right? And gratefulness that we're going to make it through this week. And that's always like underlying in me of like, how do I dress up for church? Because everybody looks at each other at church and do that. And so it's an older school mentality. And when I got into business, I, uh, I literally got into business because uh, situations happened that I, I wasn't happy anymore. And to keep me, they're like, oh, well, you can move into production. Oh, well, you can move into sales. Because if, when you work hard and you're qualified, it's cheaper to keep you than to get into and hiring new people and starting it over. And I ended up in sales. And that really what molded me by going from company to company, you gain experience of how life is in terms of the corporate culture. And so I still, so a suit is like a suit of armor for us. When you put on a suit, you're presenting to, to businesses and, and, and I don't want to say the world, but you're presenting that you're ready to take on, you tackle the meetings. You're ready to be presented in the best manner. And so everything that I make is, is in that line that it needs to be a suit. It needs to be preparing for something. And what am I preparing for? on the most basic thing is the day now. Like how would I prepare for this day based on how I feel? And at the structure of that is I wanna be prepared in a, in a way that I feel free. Like whatever happens, I'm gonna flow through it. There's no rules anymore because the idea of rules that I follow are actually made up. They're all concepts that I choose to believe in. So I would literally get dressed. I, so I went to India, I think you read the backstory. And I would walk down the street and I would put my head down because, you know, there's brothers and stuff that are looking at you and you're wearing now essentially a skirt. And uh, you, I did not know how I was perceived. And I would walk down the street and I would put my head down. And then when I would hit the train station, I would feel comfortable. Because once I was in a fashionable environment, like Soho, for example, it was like you were in. You were in with the mixes and so forth. That was normal. And then one day I realized that, Oh my God, like the only thing that was creating this disconnect in within myself were thoughts that I made up. They didn't even exist. I made them up in my head. Oh, I'm wearing a skirt. People are going to perceive you differently. What are you doing? And I remember a lady telling me in the building, 
oh, one of the neighbors was saying, oh, there's a man living here who's wearing a skirt now. They're dressing like women. And I laughed and she said to the lady, we should be lucky he's living in here because he's super talented and, and, and we want people like that in our building. And so, but this was a traditional white women, you know, we call them Karens, right? And so, but she was trying to make a thing about something that didn't even exist. Like, look what's happening to our building. And I thought that was interesting. One day I was coming up the stairs on 7th Avenue on the art train and to walk up the stairs, you have to lift up your skirt like this because otherwise you trip on it. Going down, it's okay. So I'm like this and I'm going up, and there was a lady coming down and her jaw was, she was like this. She didn't realize her jaw did that. And I was like, you don't have to exchange. You don't have to explain. Just keep going. Like, because what happens when you dress like this, you are graceful. You're bringing grace into your life. And if we can bring grace into what we do, then it, no matter the complexity that exists, you are graceful. And graceful means comes from grace. This is why we use the word grace in God. Right. And so now you're living by being free and not being locked into a monotonous story. Like this is who you are and this is how you dress. A man is so and so, which is such nonsense that you're breaking it by trying something new. And this is what I find wrong. The moment you break one little nut in the wheel, it all comes apart because you, you start asking yourself, well, what else is not true? And so it's important that we have one thing that allows us to do that, whatever the catalyst is, I don't care what it is, like kissing a man, for example, right? You, it, there's this idea, like it's like what, like, like there's only so-and-so, but the moment my friend Ryan Jones, I asked Ryan, my friend Ryan Jones, I, I said, how did you know you're gay? And him and I used to hang out um, at all the bars after work, because that's there was nowhere else to go. I said, Ryan, how are you, you know you're gay? And he goes, when that man kissed me, I knew it. Like that was the moment of it. Like there was, there's no, there was, that, that was the absolute certainty for him. And I'm saying like, there have to be a moment, a defining moment that breaks it for all of us. Like what, what is it? It is. And there's a catalyst for it. And it's always something. It's always an object. It's not as something we can process over and over and through. And the clothes allow me to do, be that for myself. And I found that in myself and it became uh noticed the freedom became noticed and so i decided to make a lot so there's a couple and you'll meet them uh, uh named henry myers and his husband's name is tom blackie and they own a store called mason 10 on 28th street they're a wonderful couple and uh, uh they pulled me in one day and they said look every time you come in the store people People are like, they're always like, who's that guy? And, what? and so we're going to a wedding and we would like to, we want to be dressed like that. So I uh, I made my first piece for them and they said we were a star at the wedding. Like everybody was like, well, and I have to tell you, Vaughn, they, they were made terribly. I was just like literally making like an Indian dose. Like we make a doti and I was strung together and it was all of those things. And so, but it worked. And then another friend of mine who was here, whose name is Lily Flash, she she used to be an executive director at Bloomingdale's at the, the flagship store. She managed the managers. And her and I had a drink one day and being a minority, I'm late. You know, that's just the way you do. We show up in CP time. And it was at the, it was at the, uh, the uh, Bryant Park Cafe. They have a rooftop up there. So I walked up there and, you know, it's, a, it's straight fill there. And I walked up there, but I'm late. And, and I guess everybody was looking because I'm walking in, walking in like this, you know, like that with a suit. 
And she said to me, whatever you do, I want to be a part of. And so because she said it, I took it seriously. Otherwise, I would just be like, hey, I'm just making clothes. I'm wearing what I do. So I took my tax returns and uh, I got two friends together and we made rough uh, samples. And I took my tax returns and a little bit of money that I put together. I went to Italy and I met with factories in Italy. Uh, I went to Pitiumo first. I was a big hit in Pitiumo because they've never seen anything like it. And then I met people at PT Uma who worked in fashion business and they turned me onto a factory that made my samples. And I went to say, I said, we're going to make suiting because uh, at the time I was working at, uh, when I met Lily, I worked at Bloomingdale's because I was, I hit the rock bottom at some point. Like I had to get a job and I didn't know what I could, because I, because I worked in corporate America, uh, I only have corporate skills like B to B. So Lily hired me because I wore suits. So I got to work in men's suiting. And what I learned in men's suiting, because it was the Soho Bloomingdale's, guys were coming in there like, where's the cool stuff? Like, and I'm like, all we had was couples, you know? Um, and our, you know, you know, you know, the basic brands. Like that was, that was, there was no cutting edge anything. And these guys were cool and they were like technology guys. And I'm like, I'm like, man, we don't have nothing for you. It's just another suit. And I realized that there was an underserved market for uh, changing perceptions of what you can wear. So these these guys were going to, for example, Vaughn, they were going to the award. It was like the cast of Saturday Night Live. And they were going to the award ceremony. They were nominated for Emmys. And I'm like, really? You're going to wear a suit? You're freaking Saturday Night Live. You should show up on that bitch. You know, you know what my motto is? I have a motto. I have a personal motto. If all the world's a stage, own that bitch. Like, own, like show up, own that bitch. Like, come on. Like, we are already, like, different when we show up. But kill it. Slay. That's when that word slay came out. I was like, yeah, just slay that bitch. Like, own it. And uh, so I really was, uh, all of these instances uh, led me to more and more. I went to India and I spent six months living around with yogis. I was really trying to figure out like what, if there was such a thing as life purpose, like what you keep doing the same thing over and like, what is perceived success? Cause it comes and goes. So it's not tangible. It's not, it's not real. You make it to a certain part and then it's done a relationship too. You live with somebody for a while you're in love. And then I don't know, you, you don't sleep together for a couple of weeks and it's over. Like, well, what are we together for? And so th there was everything that was just only impermanent. So I'm like, I can't keep doing this. And it's not about making money because I made money and I was terribly lonely. And then I also spent it all. And so is this a cycle? Like, I got to go do it all again and prove myself. To who are you proving it yourself to anyway? You prove it to, like, you're trying to make somebody be proud of you, what you're doing. And then a couple of years later, they're gone, you know, and like they don't even exist anymore. Or you're doing something else. So there was so much impermanence. And I, uh, I real, and so I was, I was on a mountaintop with a yogi. I came up in the morning because we bathed, uh, we bathed on the mountaintop like that. And, and this, this brother was praying. So I, I was the second guy up there, to, up there to pray. And I was like, uh, and he says, I know what, I know what the answers were. And I said to him, who are you praying to? And I know what weird answer because we all meditate together. And he, I, I said, if we're all the same thing happening, then who are you praying to? And he says, um, to myself, of course. And I was like, that's right. I said, I'm here for a bath. If you're praying to yourself and we're all the same thing happen, I'm ready for my bath. And he looked at me and without a blink of an eye, he goes, okay. 
And so I went and I took off my clothes. I was in my underwear. I took off my clothes and he went to the pond that's there. I have photos. He went to the pond there and he bathed me. And in that moment, the sun was coming up and we're on a mountaintop. And there's this, there's this fellow young man, a yogi, like you and I, our age. And he was pouring water on me as I, as I sat there meditating when the sun was coming up. And I said to myself, all the things I've achieved or, or perceivably achieved or have, none of them was more important in this moment because all of a sudden, all of this stuff was happening free. It was natural. There was no cost. There was no intent or purpose. It just is. And I realized in that moment, that man bade me, showed me unconditional love unsolicited, unconditional, nurturing love. And I looked off at that mountaintop and for the rest of the day, my hand was like this. I was humble. I don't even know why. I just stood like that and I looked at it and I had to put on jeans, bro, because I was wearing dhoti all the time because I was freezing. It was cold as shit up there because that cold water hit you up there and you're like, man, I cannot handle this. And so I looked out at the mountaintop and I said, and I was like, Wow, if I feel like this here, but I don't feel like that in New York, the problem is with me. Like, I have to go back and be this way there. Otherwise, I am still that intangible product, moving, changing and going. Like, this is only an idea still. And so I had to come back and I had to create. And they said to me, don't go back. Like, you don't need anything here. Look, villagers bring food every day. They bring rice and peas and we, we cook out of one pot. It's vegetarian, so you don't need it anything anymore. There's no rent for living on the mountain. We live in a cave. You're protected. What more do you really need? We need nothing. And they're like, why are you going back? You're Indian. And I was like, man, if I don't go back, uh, I this is not real. And so there's a saying that I learned in Reverend Mike's church. What you do with what you learn after is the only thing that matters. So I came back and I didn't know anything about sewing or anything. I actually was in India to make another line of clothes called Wake Up I Am You Too, because I know that we're all the same thing. When I go to church, we hold hands, right? And for them, only until they sing that song in your whole hands, you realize we're all together. We're all in the hands of God, right? So my, there's a lot, there's another story about that. It doesn't matter. So I came back. And I hired, I had a friend who was a designer. I asked her to make me a piece. And she's like, I don't even know where to start. I, I went back to India on the phone and I looked up designers who make these amazing wedding outfits, but they didn't want to ship it here. And it's a good thing they didn't because they forced me to make it. Then I hired a seamstress and a designer and they made me this piece. This is, I'm, I'm wearing this piece on purpose. The Indian dhoti always have a stripe on the end. But look what they made. They scrunched up fabric like women's clothes are. Like they pull it together and that's how, that's how they make women's, women's skirts. But that's, we don't, we're men. We could be effeminate, but we're still men, right? We don't want to dress like a woman. It drives me crazy personally between you and I when men wears women's clothes, unless you're trans and like I used to go to night of a thousand gowns every year. Because my friend Ryan, who I mentioned, he would get dressed up at night. I mean, I'm his best friend. So, you know, we get a table, we get done up. But what I did was I bought a sewing machine, which is still here. Can you see that? And I taught myself how to sew. And this is the derivative of what I've learned in developing. And when you look at these pieces, I made them to remind a man that he's perfect all the time. And this is the, re this is the structure behind that. There are no belt loops. 
belt loops are to hold it up. Why does your clothes need to be held up? And then they sell you belts for hundreds of dollars. Why do you need a piece of leather for hundreds of dollars? It doesn't even make sense. You're adding more things onto your body. So I designed it in a way. It's a wrap. It's not a skirt. It is a wrap. It wraps around. And there's buttonholes in the side. So if you're a little big one day, or if you're a little small one day, you lose weight, you just move it in the next button over. One garment will last you your entire life. We don't have, and this is why I make classic items. I don't do trendy. I don't have need for that. Buy one and have it for the rest of your life. If you want to change the color, you change the color, which is the next time work and I'll show you. And so basically it's a wrap. It is not a skirt, like the Diane Van Versen book for the wrap. This is, this is a version of them been done before. This comes here and it goes into a slit that I developed here. It goes into the slit and it tightens like that. And there's a second set of buttonholes in the back that it goes into and it's done. You have a finished product. And look, I'm going to show you, how about this one? It's the same thing on this one. I want you to see how they move. Women's clothes do not move like this. And the reason for, and it does, it's not as graceful. And the reason for that is fabric. Companies want to save money on fabrics and I, or they just do their own design what they know. But there is five inches of, of space here. You see how wide that is when I open it up? This is seven meters of fabric. And a man can hold it because we are bigger and stronger. But what that allows you to catch air. And when you catch air, you can do this. And a man is not going to twirl and spin around. But all we need to do is a little. And here's the thing. There's no innovation in fashion. It's done. Like everything's been done over and over. But we've innovated the fit, the style for men, and in the suiting. So we've redeveloped a whole new product for the market. But not, I, let me rephrase. There is no market. It's for us. We find each other and we look for things that are representative of ourselves. So in line of this, I want to bring that one back Oh, I'll show it to you this one in blue. I took the tuxedo and I made a masculine jacket out of it, a suit. This is all satin. The buttons are all satin. All of this, the collar. Let me see if I can move the phone up. You see the finish? The details, all of it. It's elegant. These, well, these were made in Italy. And the reason for this is like, why do I want to wear something that everybody else wears? Like this is a tuxedo. Why can't I be sporty and fun and masculine at the same time, yet be polished as you can be? And I took that, this satin, and I'm, I'm going to bring you another wrap. I'm going to bring you another wrap. This wrap here, this is, this is my favorite thing in the whole world. We did that satin. We continue all the way to the edge. Are you able to see it? And then all the way in the bottom here like that. And so I do have a traditional jacket that you can wear with a satin, or you can wear it like this. I lost your voice. No, I'm muted because, it, you know, so, sometimes I can hear myself breathe. That's fine. No, that's fine. <laughs> that's fine. And so what I did was I, I'm going to show you some of the, this is a classic clean cut. And what I did with this one was I start with the pleats small and incrementally make them larger. Can you see the size? This one is half long and half short. 
So there's a lot you can do with them. This is just straight same size. This one is a wrap curve like this. And then there's one more that's at the factory that is layered. And so there's something to be pointed out on this one, what I'm working on. Oh, I develop a whole new one. This one is a, plea, uh, a panel. We can do a lot. We can do a lot. And we have this stripe that's coming down here, same like I do with all the Indian ones. But that's not what I'm known for, what I make. What I make are, these are the things that got me noticed. These are where we want to be. And I made this like what the Pope would wear. I'll show you when he moves. So, so it opens up like a fan. There's a lot we can do. I've been making these since 2014. We started in 2014. And because I wear them, I get to experientially test them and say, oh, this works. This doesn't work. Oh, wait. Uh, yeah, we lost a little bit of your sound. Okay. Can you hear you me now? Up. Let me Hold see. Oh. You probably touched the volume. Uh, let's see. I can move it. Let me try How is that? Yeah, like that. Yeah. So I started in 2014. That's when I came back from India. So... In the, and from 2014 to now, to your point, well, we're going to take the two years for COVID out. We've been doing this for a long, I've been doing this for a long time. And because I've been doing it for a long time, I test it out. I wear it down the street. I see which one shows too much leg or which one you want to show much leg on. And this one or oh, the back needs to be balanced or this one works with this. Like, and so I've got such like a in-depth personal experience from wearing it and having fun with it. Like, you know where you can go with it. And uh, so this is a structured suiting line, which is this can be for weddings. Uh, we've done the Grammys with them. We've done the Met uh, Gala, the Metropolitan Opera. People wore them. Uh, and nobody's actually even heard of us because we're a small New York brand. But that's the beautiful thing about it. New York is like that, man. Like you can go out somewhere and you're like, yo, boy, where, where did you come from? And that's the thing. That's the thing. Like we are waiting for that breakout moment where it'd be like, whoa, where, where has this been? Like, how come we miss this? And you miss this because you're only looking at the general market, what everybody else is doing. Everybody is looking at big brand names. What you are doing is we're missing the story of like how those big brand names got started. Like what are the things that broke it into the moment that, that crashed the ceiling of, Oh, my God, Dior, you know, with the new, with the new, uh, the new look when that came out. I have a fun story I'll share with you personally. I, my ex went to Parsons, but couldn't speak English. And, uh, cause I have a business background, but so I helped, I did all her homework and all her online classes for her. And so what ended up happening was I ended up getting uh, a business education from Parsons. And because of that, I ended up learning so much more about fashion inadvertently the man the universe will just give you what you need it'll just give you what you need you don't even know what what you're getting but later on i end up being in fashion now and so here we are i sent you photos to show you what the new collections are going to look like and on what i what i'm going at so i have a little girl i have a little daughter uh actually i have four children my daughter uh is eight years old i don't live with her because the mother is russian and we just there was something that just happened we hooked up End of story. Hooked up, hooked up. And they don't, they, she doesn't live here. They live between Moscow and North Carolina. But whenever she comes, I make clothes for her, like with leftover fabrics. And every time we go out, I always put matching outfits on her. 
And what ended up happening was because the father and daughter is wearing the same thing, it became like you're getting photographed everywhere. Like, oh my God, that looks amazing. You look so cute. Oh, look at that. And it, it just blows up. And I realized with her, because she's madly in love with me, and from having other kids, we didn't have that relationship in that way, that there's an intrinsic or there's a unique value when you dress up the same as your children, your children, and you do that, you do that, especially now that it's a wrap, because, you know, you're breaking stereotypical structures. And we've been doing it for, I don't know, uh, four or five years now we've been doing it. And I was at a, I was at a dinner the other day. My friend Juan and his wife were there and their son was there. And I was like, Oh, I'm going to make you one. And the friend said to the son, Oh, I want to wear one too. And I was like, Oh, wow, there's something going on here. The kids are willing to do it. And so I, I'm looking to, I'm looking to change perceptions. Because that's all you can do, right? You don't, it's not about selling clothes or we can get a job. If we could change perceptions and mindset because we've been exposed to, to our perception being changed. And I, I wanted to integrate fathers and daughters, fathers and son in full time, what pa passionately what I'm doing. I want the family structure to change in terms of how we, see each other, how we learn from each other. Because kids up to a certain age, they look up to your father and they emulate them. And if we give our kids this the complete power of everything that they do and also say, we dress the same way too, we're, we're empowering them to say, well, my dad, like we can do anything. Like what's the next thing? Like what? Well, that's not even an issue here. There's none of that with us. And I sent you a photo with a with a lawyer. That guy is a lawyer, and his wife is, a, I think, a professor at uh, a professor at Columbia. His name is Ken Edby, and you could reach out to him too. So I met Ken at Bloomingdale's eight years ago, and I sold him a tuxedo. And then I bumped into him at Three Columbus Circle a couple of years later. And he's like, "Yo, man, what's up?" And I was like, "Hey." So we kept in touch on Instagram, but we don't hang out. We don't know each other like socially or anything like that. And then when I thought of the kids, I always see him posting photos of him and his two kids and his wife. So I reached out and said, would you be interested as a family making clothes for you? Uh, and he goes, I would love it. Oh, no. I, and he says, only under one condition, if both kids are included. And I'm like, absolutely. Like, I mean, absolutely. And so uh, Ken is going to model and I'm making matching wraps for the boys. I sent you a photo. They came in and they try on my daughter's clothes. So now how interesting it is. They tried on my daughter's wraps and they loved it because it doesn't have gender. It's a wrap. And I showed them how the inside is structured. The inside is structured with a man's waistband, the way a suiting is done. It's a pre-made waistband. And so when you look at it and you put it on, it feels like a structured suit. And I had to explain to five-year-olds because they're, when they first came in, they said to me, do we have to wear a, a girl's skirt? And I brought them in the room and I showed them like, there's no such thing as a girl's skirt. There's no such thing. It is clothes that I wear, my daughter wear, you wear. And I said, when you wear this now and years from now, when you look back at your father, you're going to realize that you did something groundbreaking with your father. 
And you're going to look back at your father, you're going to realize the intrinsic value of having a father that is completely supportive and engaging and want you not to have the same uh, belief system that like we have to be this way and this is what a man does and so forth. We're going to raise our kids completely open and we're going to we can use fashion for that. And that's and so I my plan was to do the whole the next collection for all family, but because I'm able to squeeze it in, I'm going to do I think four or five kids with their family, and some of them here's the interesting thing, Vaughn. Some of them are nephews, nieces. They're not just father and daughters, and uh, uh, and one of them is a friend. It's like my friend. I have this cool kid who's nine years old. And she would love to get dressed with me. And I said, like, wow, I'm like, awesome. Let's, let's create, if we're going to do something, do it. Don't test it. We don't have time to test it. Everything changes too fast. Just do it. And that's really where we're at today. I sent you some photos of what I'm, the next thing that I'm doing is I'm taking traditional fabrics. Like what would be a, like an like a English Oxford suit? that a, like a classic white man would wear. And I'm turning that into a wrap. So we can still have the structure that exists because I'm not trying to go against the grain uh, with designs. I'm just saying, let's just change how we see the same things because it's made up anyway. And I sent you photos of four or five of the jackets. The wraps are in production. We're still making them. And that's kind of like where we're going to be. And the next thing I'm working on uh, is uh, a piece to like, like, uh, okay, I, uh, I'll show you. Can I show you? Um, so I went to a party. I went to a house music party in the summertime and there was a sexy brother. You know, brothers are just sexy as fuck. And he, he had a tank top of Kobe Bryant with white pants. And I was like, man, that's some fucking, that's some shit right there. So I'm like, how do I, how do I make that for me? Because I don't wear that. And I'm going to turn this camera around if I can do that. Let's see. Wait, let me, let me start here. Did the camera turn around now? Uh, turn. There we go. All right. So this is the suiting line that you know of. Oh, and what I started doing was I started going after Chanel and like those kind of perceptions. And I started creating things like this. And I took a fork and I edged it out to give it a nice raw edge. And so I'm, I'm, I think we can take anything that exists in a certain mindset and belief system. And we can also make it anything we want because there is no gender in clothes or fabric. And there is no gender, but an idea. We, we just is. We are how we are, whatever. We don't even know who we are or what is. All right, I'm going to take you for a tour of the apartment. So, Mike, this is a personal collection I have. I have about a hundred of these. And there's meaning because all of these are personalities in age. So when you become a young woman, they make one for you. When you become a man or a business or whatever, there's a ceremony. So all of these are ceremonies. And I've been studying and living this for a really, really long time. And so I started making these. And I'm just going to show you also a leather jacket to man it up. All right. So this is the one I want to show you. Production. Uh, where it is. Here we go. And this is basketball material, you know, like see-through, like quite literally. It hasn't been hashed out. It hasn't been hashed out yet, but it's, it's, it's going there. It's going there. And we're going to do all of that. And this is what the new collection looks like. So we're going with colors. This is what I talked to you about. Yeah, I was looking at the new collection. The new collection is beautiful. Military. Love. Uh, you're gonna, you're, you'll see it. You'll see more and more of it. 
that um that new collection is fire. I was looking at it and um I love the way you can you can see the weight on the skirt and like you said, the way you make the waistband. That's what makes it I mean, I'm so sorry, on the wrap, not the skirt. On the wrap, because that's what makes it stand out to me and a lot of people in our in our um in our little in our little crew. Um is is that um it makes it so strong and powerful, like a piece of armor, like you said. And I feel like there's so many things you did say was great, but looking at that in person, like with my eyes close up like that versus that picture, uh, I didn't know that it was, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't zoom in. That's, I mean, I love camo. So to see that camo, that camo blazer, that was amazing. But the great thing is, is that your line is what I thought it was. It is that it's, it's a line of dedication, experience and wisdom. And like, I could see like every, it's like every I can see like every every piece of fabric, every every the the texture and the way you actually like sew things together, and then the pleating that's cascading, and also like it, it's that gradient that gradient. It's, it's 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 phenomenal. Especially my favorites are when you really I don't want to cuss, but when you really want to you know the f bomb somebody's head is like I like that. The the one that um the the initial one that you had that, that's like the classics that's like a, that's like I, I would wear that to a holiday like that's a straight holiday but for and um and, and also celebratory like a graduation like you know what I'm saying even to like you said an Indian wedding um or you know something really like monumental or an award that you've been waiting that you knew you were gonna get and you're just waiting for that moment that first collection is like that, that's like that's the lion. And then this new collection you have, what I knew your collection was going to become, and I still see it growing even ever so more, you know, ever, like exponentially, is because it's cerebral, it's intelligent, it's intellect, it's intuitive. Um, and it's just, it's freedom. It's freedom. And I feel like um, when you said that word freedom and you talked about how you own the room and you have no choice but to own a room when you wear a kilt or a wrap. Um, the two wraps that I really like, uh, that I, that I love is the one that looks like a guardian, like your um, um, the basic, the uh, the standard pleated one, as well as the other one that has like, the pleats that kind of go up and down, like the panels, the panels. Mm-hmm. I like those. I like another panels because I can see a guy with like really uh, like a real nice uh, quad, or even like he can wear a short underneath it. Um, and then I also love the um. The one that's kind of like it has like a panel in the front, and, and then there's a panel on the back and side. That one looks like a warrior as well. Very um, what's the name of that, that 300 movie? It, it reminds me of like those of those ancient Greek gods. So when I first saw your stuff, I knew we had to speak to you, and it was just I mean, and I'm so happy for you that all your success because it's very, it's like what you're doing is just not making clothes. You're making you're you're, you're making a movement. You're making a movement to to open our eyes as human beings, and it's like it's like you're part of. This is crazy. It's exactly what I thought it was, and I'm so glad that I got to speak to you because I feel like just listening to you, I was just getting goosebumps, and I was getting sad, and then I was getting like, and I was feeling happy. But the real thing is that I felt like I was going through some sort of session, <laughs> like I was speaking to a therapist because everything you spoke about. Is what people go through on a day to day basis, and I've noticed that if you don't 
if you don't own the room, if you don't take the room, then why are you there? Like, why am I? And, you know, and I think that we all have to ask our questions, ask that, you know, to ourselves, why are we here? Why are we in this room? What is our purpose? Why are we still living? Why are we still surviving? Why am I here? Like, what is the point of this? You know, like you said, so once you know your purpose, I feel like once I got my purpose, which was basically like to motivate and to, uh, and to, to help guide and nurture um, people like myself and young people in particular, um, especially like my child, my son, he's, he's 12. I noticed that my freedom came. And when my freedom came, it gave me this power that I feel like people don't and can't understand. And they probably would never understand until they have a purpose. And when you were talking, I almost started crying because it was, it was really beautiful to see um, someone push the envelope for people that don't want to be in the box and that feel confined that live in art and live for art. And art to me is better than going to Cornell and graduating in three years. Art to me is experience. Art to me is, like you said before, it's not all the materialistic bullshit that we buy. It's what you experience and you were yogi and you know, you're channeling all that energy and chi and all that stuff. And then fast forward and it's like, wow, you're designing not only clothing, but you're designing lives. And that's what I got from it. That's what I got from when I first saw it. And then to hear you speak and to know that this is the person. And you, you know, it's just, it's, it's really beautiful. And I think what you're doing is, 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 is groundbreaking. And I'm so happy that I, um, that you took this call because what you are on the cusp of doing is really freeing people's mind. Um, and I think, especially when you have a young person, like the, the, the son and the daughter, your son and daughter, and you allow them to put anything on and give them purpose and give them meaning. And you explain to them why you put this patching right here. You put the, the, the stitching or the waistband and you, you know, kids are young people. Kids are little people. They're not, they're not stupid. You don't have to talk to them like they're stupid. If you talk to a child and you have a conversation with them and you explain to them the functionality of anything, including garments, they will understand. And so when you talked about, when you spoke on that, for me, um, again, a, a, an executive trainee of Saks Fifth Avenue corporate office, um, you know, I, I worked in stores as a 20 year old, just, you know, part of our trainings that we had to work on the floor as a department and working in tandem with the general manager, learning retail math. And then I worked in a folio department, was my first assignment. Um, which was the catalog online division, which was like the bread and butter of stacks at the time. But fast forward to what you were saying about working in sales and, you know, how we have those suits and we go door to door and it's like, it's fake. It's all fake. It's all, it's all a perception. The real thing is how do we, how do I, first of all, how do our kids perceive us, which are young, which are young people? Um, and do we, are we giving them permission? to grow? Are we giving them permission to think out of the box? Are we giving them permission to live and to learn and to be free? And so for us and for me, 
I mean, I'm blown away. I couldn't even, I, I had so many questions. I couldn't even, I, I could, because I, I was like so enamored by what you express. And then as you start pushing and moving the fabrics, the way they flowed, it was like, they're so masculine. They're so extremely masculine that they're undeniable. And so for me, I see them as, I see them, they, they're, they're everything. They're like punk. Um, I see like 1980s nostalgia. Some of those pieces, I would wear like something that I have on right now with like um, some Timberland boots or even some Doc Martens. There's a Euro cut. I would even spray paint some stuff or speckle some things on my own and give you that own personal style. But some of those pieces are unbelievable. And I'm really happy and excited that we have synergy in our energies from Yo-Yogi and my my self-taught Feng Shui and appreciation for the Asian culture. and I'm blown away. I'm so excited for you. I think oh, I'm so I'm so honored to to know that we're in alignment. I mean, aside, I mean, we're really in alignment, right? We have really mentally, spiritually, visually. Um, two things jump out at me. One is, you know, at PT Omo, uh, I was photographed for the Hindu magazine, Hindu newspaper, because they covered it. And as it turns out. This is not even anything remotely Indian. They just they they do different things, and so they've never even seen it themselves. And I realize what we have is that we have a New York rap. Mm. It's just we we in, we we invented it. It's the New York rap, and that's just how I see it. The other thing is, I w- I go to a dance party uh, uh, in Fort Greene uh, twice a year. They do the Fort Greene in a party. Actually, my daughter and I were in Vice for that. Like the big, I'll send it to you. I'll send you the article, and. Uh, we were photographed in like, you know, the best dance party. And I was leaving and I walked down a couple of blocks. This was a while ago. And I was going to a club called Output down on White Street. Cause you know, I like to dance, man. Like this is our thing. And and, and these two young, like uh, they were white. They're like from New Jersey-ish guys were crossing the street. This is like blocks down, block, I don't know, like 10, 15 blocks down. And they said to me, they, they ran over and it's like, like, we just wanted to meet you. And I said, like, hey, how are you? And they're like, they said, thank you. And I said, like, for what? They're like, thank you for just being you. You, you're, what you establish is what you're, you're making it easier for us. And then, and I never felt like a responsibility before, but for, for those young, like 20, 23 year old boys, I was like, oh my God, like, uh, I have to now be more serious for them because it, for them, it's it's opening doorways for their normality and comfort. And this is why I became very serious because of those two boys. I've taken I've taken my actions very seriously. It it be, it became no it no it's no more style and play for me and fun, even though it ex, it, it exhibits that. But there now we have a responsibility because because we now have a responsibility uh, to people that we don't even know what the changes that they see you're like basically for me you're you're like changing people's whole like perception of what a what what a human should be or should not be or whatever it's just like it's so cool that it's like i almost feel like when i see your garments it's like looking into the matrix it's like and i feel like that's it's like i feel like looking at your your stuff is like 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 you're you, you you become a superhero in some of those pieces uh, and it's like that's crazy. Like you redefine what we see and what we think we we see, um, and I think that's uh, mind blowing. But I just think like y- you 
like you said, you're unapologetic. You enter the room, you walk to those stairs, you're holding up your skirt, and you did it with such grace and also masculinity and just confidence. To exude a certain level of confidence and have a rap on like that and to understand that people don't understand their fucking history. Um, same thing with earrings. George Michael didn't make this shit up. You know what I'm saying? This shit came from Vikings and African tribes from thousands of years ago. So it has blonde hair and all the other shit. And skirts and wraps are from pirates. So it's like the, the, the these norms that we are taught in school and even in our communities and sub-communities of our community, which we all know, it's just very difficult. It's so much, it's so much, it's so difficult and hard and stressful to be an African American man in society sometimes because we are put, we, we are pushed to be animals or animalistic and have this certain magnetism. But it's like, fuck that. It's like, be yourself. It doesn't be, exist. It's, 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 it's just, it doesn't exist. I want to show you a piece. I want to show you a piece. This is a long term project in the works. Based on you've seen my African mask collection, there's over a hundred of them. I've been collecting them one at a time for years. I mean, you're going back 20 years. These are African tribal. How elegant is this? A single body, clean. This is a winter one, but it's interwoven with gold. It's actually, I think, Chanel leftover fabric that I have, but I turned it into the. And I'm going to do a whole collection based on African. Uh, it, first of all, we, we all came from the same. When when life was created, we, we all came from the same place. And then we migrated because all the lands were one. And that the environment changed our looks. And that's the only thing that changed. And, of course, belief systems. But this that's another story. But this is where, this is what I love to do. But this is the layer that you talked about, like the layered wraps. Elegant and 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 the previous one that I showed you just to put it together of what the African collections. Yeah, yes, that's beautiful. I just have to find these fabrics are rare because people don't really do these things. But I'm building this. I'm this is going to be like a, a show on its own, like more of an exhibition of what we're capable of doing in terms of. I was going to say that I was like, you should do an exhibition, or you should like put those on lens so people can do. Oh, ooh, even a nice little mixer would be great. We can have those on 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 display. I love like them. I, I I would like to get two more to get at least four. Yeah. But yeah, so because, but this is, this here is what we're talking about. This here is as graceful as you can get. And look, I kept everything raw. This, all of this is raw. Yeah, because that's who we are, right? That's who we are when there's an, an African, there's, there's like, you don't need to go and make it uh, European. Mm -hmm. right? You don't need to go, you know, when I was in India, I stopped wearing, I was like, I was like, why are we still dressed in colonial? I'm like, why are you wearing frigging like uh, ties? Like, what's the purpose of a tie? What's wrong with you? Uh, I kept it. I don't put any tie with the clothes, but I did keep it for a bow tie for elegant uh, uh, ceremonies and so forth where you have to wear a bow tie. That's the only one. Ties are dead, as you know. We don't even wear ties anymore. And the similarly here, this, this is my, this is where our look is going. Is going. In terms of the couture pieces that I do, like this is it. This is it. That's the, that that that's a showstopper. Like that's total like gala. Like 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 you said. Like I I would rock that at award ceremony with a bow tie. You it's can rock it anytime. Just call me. I'll show you one more. Yeah. <laughs> that's tight. That's tight.
all textures. Now, you wouldn't think textures for men, but here it is. Wow. It's inconceivable to think that men could wear this, and, and, and but look how masculine, once you do them, you know, the thing is, I make them for me. Mm -hmm. I make them for me. And because I make them for me, you know what you're going to wear or how you're going to wear it, right? And, I, and I, what happens in fashion and design is designers make clothes for people that they don't even wear, that they don't even understand how it fits. They have no concept of like what happens six weeks later or a month later or what happens when it tightens up. Can we see? Can you, um? Can we see the flow of that? Of the of the the um the deconstructed look, the um, the last one, the last one. Oh, this gold, this gold one here. Yeah. Oh, that's oh wow. That's like a metallic. The way this is done, it's two pieces only: a front, a short front piece, and a back piece. It's very simple, and the fabric thins out with a. This is leather wrap. It's not leather, but it's raw, and so when it moves, it's like that. Wow, far, far away, it, it, it comes across as almost like a boa or like feathers. But then when you put it up front, it's like, again, it's, it's, it's your play on perception. I love it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, wouldn't you want to walk in with this? I mean, I mean, come on, like, come on, like, like what's wrong That's with it? That's sick. That's sick, especially with like a graphic tee. <laughs> oh, you can do that. Oh, you're gonna, yeah. I, you know, I don't do those things, but you guys, that's a different generation. You get great. Yeah. But one thing's for sure is those are definitely, I can't wait to New York, like, to New York as a, like, wakes back up fully because I'm, I miss the, um, the old New York when everybody didn't give a shit and just wore and dressed the way they, they wanted to be. I feel like New York, a lot of the people, that were the that I, I think I think in New York the people that need to leave they left, and now it's going to get a, another fresh perspective. And I think now you're going to be on the forefront of that, and I, you already are on the forefront of it. <laughs> I mean, damn, that looks like a that looks like a that looks like a rap that a, a person could be on stage performing a song. Um, that's fly, bro. I, that, I want. Vaughn, I want you to wear it and, and go by and pick up your dry cleaning, you know, because that's <laughs> like, like, you shouldn't have to wait for something to celebrate this moment today. Now, yeah. I tell people this all the time. Somebody, even somebody you remotely know can die or get into an accident and it affects your life right now. Yeah. It doesn't even have to, you, what, what are we waiting for when we have now? Wow. That's so funny you said that again. Another, another, another goosebump moment. Because there's right now, like you said, there's there's so many Karens and Kevins out there right now, and particularly if you if you carry yourself um, unlike what a person in stereotyped you to be, if you're going against the grain of that, they get. I feel like people get a little discombobulated, to say the least, and they uh, they feel like we're supposed to act a certain way. It's like no, you're supposed to think. You 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 just thinking, or you were trained to think a certain kind of way about a person that you thought I was, but I'm not that person. Um, it's just very interesting. So these designs that you have, and I agree with you, um, they're going against the odds. And I feel like this is a very brave human, and I'm so happy that you're alive, and I'm so happy that you do this and you flex on people every day because you're not like you said, like. I guess you're right, because sometimes I get dressed up 
Well, I, I put on some of the coolest things that I, like I have available to me while I'm here in New York. And I'm like, I'm gonna wear these new. I'm wearing these now because I believe YOLO. You only live once. Um, and you know, like, tomorrow's not promised. But though, I mean, that that middle, the middle piece reminds me. Um, the tribal print looks like an eye, the eye of Osiris. So it looks, it looks like it's um like very Egyptian. And yeah, and it has the triangle. It has the yeah, uh, piece. Actually, fun fact. Fun fact. Um. I met a stylist when I was working at Bloomingdale's. I didn't know who it is because I am not a fashion person. You know, I know I come from sales and doing, you know, B2B. And so, but as you know, in my story, I came to India, I ran out of money. I had to go to get a job and I, and this woman hired me, thankfully. And, uh, and actually, so that my, the girl I, I was with got pregnant and I'm like, I didn't know what to do. I'm like, well, you better get a job and put everything in all. And I was wearing, a, I don't know, one of the outfits and there's this guy named, uh, Law Roach, he's a he's a stylist, and he came over to me and his assistant. He goes, "What are you wearing then?" And so and so and so he called me like a couple of days later. And he goes, "Show me what you got." And I sent him photo. And he wanted to buy this, but he wanted me to bring it to his hotel. And I was like, "Man, I don't have a checkout system. I don't think it's really made well. It's like one of the earlier pieces and so forth." And he bitched me out. He goes, "You don't know who I am." Da, da, da. And I was like, "I was like, I love you." I'm like, you're African-American and you're doing what your, your dream is and your country. You don't know at my age group what like you, I, we get the finger, you know, like we just like, we just had to put our head down. My mom would say, bite your tongue and keep going. Like, just don't get it, you know, just listen because you got a job. And I come from that era where like, you don't say nothing, like you don't say nothing. And, but then when I became financially successful and like, the, because I had my own business, I realized it was all money. It was all about what, like, it didn't matter what you have, you had money. And then I end up realizing that if you buy everything in life, you don't have it. You don't have anything if it's money is because of money. You got it because of money. And that's not really true. We actually want to be part of each other's lives. We actually want better for each other. And we want to be able to do that without a, a monetary value in it. Like that's nonsense. That's nonsense. It doesn't even exist. We choose to believe things because people say to believe things. Like for example, when I was growing up, I grew up in the corner in the park because that's where we all hung out drinking beer, right? Sharing a 40 and smoking weed. And for years we did that, but I would listen to the older guys who I thought were cool. And it turned out that those guys were stupid. They didn't know shit. They were hanging on the corner at an older age. Why was I listening to those guys? Because they were tough and they sounded tough. And I realized like, you know what, from that experience, like you can't listen to people. They don't know. You got to make your own, learn from your own, because those guys were never cool. They were they were saying things like, you got to put your woman in check. You got to do this. You can't, like stuff like that. And it was just, you have to honor and respect and and and, and love and support and like be gracious that somebody even want to bless you with their company. 